Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the twenties, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the BoJack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series BoJack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, you can call us 007 because today you and I are going to bond, my friend. We are going to bond. But on top of that, you can also call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. That's how we roll on this show. You can follow us on social media, Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Oh, put myself for that one. Or oh, if you'd like to follow either of your lovely hosts, and we are lovely, you can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflit at Quantum of Solace. And of course, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on there. We'd love you to subscribe. Leave us some feedback, a five-star review. You can follow along on Spotify. You can listen along on Acast, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, including on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. That'll be there every Friday for you to listen, embedded within the tweets. And we'd love you to leave us, especially if you listen to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a five-star review. If you do leave us a five-star review and a few words in the little comments box, can be naughty, can be nice. We don't really matter. But you could indeed find yourself on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. We will be doing another inductee later on in this podcast. Yes, indeed, we shall. But, Michael, we now have the very, very difficult task of reviewing the next episode <laughs> of Bojack Horseman, which is a personal favourite of ours. Uh-huh. And we are genuinely... I'm going to apologise to everyone now because I think we've already had a little flirtation with it in the introduction. We are going to lose our minds with this, unfortunately. So apologies... <laughs> Well ahead of time, but let's go to Netflix for the synopsis as always. This is Season 2, Episode 5 of Bojack Horseman, entitled Chickens. And as the synopsis will tell you, Bojack really wants his director, Kelsey, to like him. Todd, Diane and Kelsey's daughter help a chicken who's on the lam from the police. And I honestly, I'm, I'm nervous about this because... People won't know that we've already tried about four times to do the introduction for this <laughs> <laughs> because of how much this episode has ruined us. Michael, it is now in your capable hands for the next 20 or so minutes to try and steer the ship in the right direction. Oh, God, I wish it wasn't. So, right. I just think help, it's worth... Go on, Michael. Di- help, help this chicken cross the road, my that's, friend. You can do it. That's a disclaimer for... 
this classic Bojack, and especially this cold open, it is worth something that we don't talk about enough on this podcast. Bojack Horseman, the roots of it, are the, it's a comedy. I think a lot of people watch episode one, episode two, and think, oh, this is just a really animated comedy, and then realise what they get into is this study on mental health. It's a study on celebrity, on the price of fame, on sexual politics, gender politics, on everything that you can imagine. That's why we wanted to do a podcast about it. But Bojack Horseman is also a comedy, and uh, that takes us to the cold open of this episode, which is not of classic Bojack, but of an advert that we later find out Bojack is watching on his iPad. Um, I've taken the liberty of transcribing the dialogue word for word here. So interior is in a son's bedroom. Uh, we hear some very, very loud rock music and a father figure knocks on and says, son, did you do your homework? And a very bratty kid on his bed with teenage emo posters says, I don't want to do my homework. The dad, aghast, replies, whoa, 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 what? The son screams in his face, I want chicken for days. <laughs> Which point, the dad replies, oh. Which bleeds in to a CeeLo Green-esque hip-hop song. Chicken for days, chicken for days. Everybody's having fun at chicken for days. Bright oh. colours illuminate the screen along the graphics. <laughs> The floating pieces of chicken. <laughs> the boy from the bedroom screams, I got a drumstick. A girl appears saying, I got an arm. A guy follows up with, I got a bucket full of mystery stuff. <laughs> we got, we got... <laughs> this is not a cold open. This is boiling hot because I'm sweating. We go back to the jingle. <laughs> It continues to make less sense than the dialogue. Chicken for Daisy? Totally crazy. Don't ask questions. Just keep eating. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, but the advert. <laughs> the advert. Oh, I'm crying. Right. Oh. The advert is not for Chicken for Days. <laughs> it's an attack on Chicken for Days by Gentle Farms Chickens, um, which is a, a more homely way of selling fried chicken, which we come to learn in the world of Bojack Horseman, of these anthropomorphic animals, <laughs> that there are two types of chicken. There are chicken that are your friends and your family, and chicken that are meat and that are born to breed. And that's how a brand like Chicken for Days, which is, for anybody that hasn't yet picked this up, is the most obnoxious, obstropious take on KFC that you can imagine. There are two types of chickens. There are those that are your friends and family, and there are those that are injected with hormones at birth to make them meat, which means, oh, God. luckily in Hollywood, there is no moral gray area. You don't <laughs> eat your friends. You eat the ones that were injected from birth. So it's an ad within an ad. Chicken mm -hmm. is an ad within a Gentle Farms Chickens ad, which is the front of a video that Bojack Horseman is watching in the car with Diane. That's a gag because he's behind the wheel of his car. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes into this episode and chickens have, have taken it over and rightfully so before he moved at the credits, he's driving the car uh, while watching this video on the iPad, which Diane has to remind him of. He yeah. breaks before crashing, but he doesn't crash. 
he causes a pileup behind him, which includes a chicken for days truck that crashes into the back of one of the cars that's crashed into the back of Bojack. And one of the chickens for days chickens escapes into the wild of Beverly Hills. In the wild. And scene. There's the credits. And Adam, that is this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. Let us know all your thoughts in the comments oh. that you can find, please. Oh, my God, Michael. That's, uh, it's only the cold open. We haven't even made the credits yet. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, this is not good analysis, I don't think. No. It's for us to <laughs> hissing ourselves at the dialogue word for word. Oh. But this, right, this is so funny. And... This is the kind of funny that is every sort of Bojack funny. So the, the gags are funny. The lines are funny. The line reads are on another planet of funny. Yeah. They're on another level. They have found a way to capture cheesy advertising line reads, but with a knowing wink to the viewer of like, you know how bad this is, don't you? That's why this is funny. The graphics are hilarious. The scripting is amazing. I got an arm while she's holding a wing. It's just... Absolutely insane dialogue. The music is incredible. The whole, like, dare I say, the direction of the Chicken for Days advert might be the funniest thing we've seen in the show yet. It's this this whole episode will remind everyone that this show is rooted in comedy, as you've already mentioned. And I feel like this is as close to perhaps the show that people might have thought they were going to watch originally. Mm-hmm. Do you know, and before anybody knew what Bojack Horseman was going to be. You saw animation, you saw a funny talking horse, and I think this was the kind of mad caper that you were probably expecting you were going to get from it. Like, it's so jarring compared to all the other things we've had where it's been really serious or it's developed the storyline of Bojack's. This is just right in the middle there. Episode five, let's do some stuff about some chickens. It's, it's an enormous joke. I, just, I cannot overstate the quality of this cold open. Um... It's, it's magnificent, and the fact that it's like loyal enough to feed into the plot of the episode, which we will try our best to move on from that. But needless to say, there's been about six, seven weeks of build-up just even thinking about doing this episode. Yeah. And get, getting through it and reviewing it, it gets no less funny. It's got all the bite you'd ever had. Um, yeah, so the episode starts proper at MMM Studios, which is where Bojack and Diane were going. They were going to work, of course, on the set of Secretariat. And Bojack meets Kelsey's daughter, Irving. Um, and basically Irvin is a, a sort of a spicy teenager who's kind of like almost like too cool for the set, too cool for Bojack. She's just very young. Um, she, or I say young, she's got a lot of youth. She's old enough to be there, but she's got a youth that the rest of them do not have. That includes Diane, who of course turned 35 last week. And looking after Irving is Diane's job for the day. Um, to which Diane re- replies, well, guess she's stuck with me, kiddo, thinking she can get on Irving's level. To which Irving glibly replies, Sounds great, old woman Oh, Old woman Oh, <laughs> Early credit here to Amy Schumer, who guest voices in this episode as Irving, because she really like adds so much depth and weight to a character that they've been trying to it- intentionally sort of strip the enthusiasm out of. I think she just like bases this just right. Um, they sort of disappear off. We will certainly get back to them later. Bojack, in the meantime, is worried that Kelsey doesn't like him. Um, it's his typical problem that she has. He phones Princess Carolyn to try and uh, get some clarity on this. She's in at a wedding, as we find from a great pull-out and reveal gag of her being in the middle of the wedding party and having to take Bojack's whiny calls. Um, but unfortunately, all she does is clarify his worries uh, that, yeah, she probably doesn't like him. 
Um, she noticed that if she did like him, he'd only push her away anyway with just how scared he is of any kind of commitment to anybody and how deep down he's maybe not that good a person anyway. Uh, Bojack doesn't like this response. And in his reply to uh, Princess Carolyn says, don't be such a dumb, stupid idiot, Todd, which is a great sort of reveal of how the only sincerity he comes into contact with is from Todd. And he's so used to having to bat that back, just proving Princess Carolyn correct. Indeed. I'm sorry, I wasn't ready for that there. Just, Are you okay? Are you I am okay. okay. I am okay. I just I thought you were going to carry on. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, we do have, it seems as good a time as any to give you an escaped chicken update because we learn that police are on the hunt for this escaped chicken through the uh, through the words of Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face. We know the chicken crossed the road, Nicholas. But why? But more why? on that. But, but more why? On that later, uh, Bojack explains to Kelsey that uh, he's arranged a burrito truck to distract the cast and crew so he can bond with Kelsey. She is livid with this um, because she has acknowledged that this will ruin the day's filming and it will make all the staff too lazy and they're too disinterested. But in the meantime, she gets a call to say that the loose chicken may be in her car. Why might that be? Again, more on that later. This is a big, jokey, daft episode. Um Anyway, what this does is it allows them to do a, um, a sort of a big gag in the meantime, the inclusion of Meow Meow Fuzzy Face, Fuzzy, excuse me, Meow Meow Fuzzy Face ringing it to say the escape chicken is in the car, allows them to do a giant joke about cop show cliches, debating whether or not he's a loose cannon, if he plays by his own rules, if he thinks the rules are made to be broken, if he's a reckless renegade, if he's a cop on the edge with nothing to lose. Anyway, the cops put a pot of coffee on and, of course, delay actually the chase, which allows Bojack and Kelsey to go and do the chase themselves to try and find out why this chicken from the Chicken for Days truck may be in her car. Um, they, of course, are greeted by the cast and the crew coming back full of the burritos, so Bojack convinces Kelsey that they should go out on the road to find Irving, her daughter, and the wild chicken. I promise you we will get back to why they are chasing this chicken, but just your thoughts at this point on Bojack and Kelsey's increasingly complex new relationship. It's weird that Bojack is filling this void with trying to chase after the sort of adulation of, of Kelsey and wants to be accepted by her and watching his continued efforts and them getting more and more sycophantic as he tries mm. to like really get in there with her but she absolutely wants nothing to do with him because of course she doesn't, Michael, because Bojack Horseman is an idiot. <laughs> well, it's strange because he, as well, he's probably chasing a different relationship than even the one he should have. Um, at very, very best, the only thing he can get here is an, an actor-director relationship. And we've heard from Kelsey before that she doesn't actually have a lot of time for a lot of the actors, not least when she's having to lower herself to make a big-budget Hollywood film like Secretariat. So it kind of shows that Bojack's failed to read the room already, other than to read the stomachs of the cast and crew who are over the moon with the burritos that he's brought up. He's not stopped to think what she might like out of their time together beyond making this film um, and that again just speaks to that kind of that persistent male blindness that we see almost every week this comes up now Bojack not reading the room right Michael what do you mean <laughs> that's not like him at all that is not like him at all it is fascinating though because ultimately ultimately sorry it's Kelsey that goes to bat for Bojack to get him on this film mm. but gradually his underperformance shall we say when he's been on the set for a uh, secretariat has just completely put her off him entirely, hasn't it? 
Yeah, and to be fair, of some of the recent actions for Bojack, I think have been designed to put us off him too. He is not coming across as likable in these efforts to win Kelsey over. And the way they achieved this in this episode is with a brilliant cut back to the two of them in the car on the way. And Bojack telling the end of a story with the, she was so horrified she checked out of rehab. So I'm kind of the reason Drew Barrymore got sober. Yeah, did you like Never Been Kissed? Because if so, you're welcome. Another <laughs> story of the horrors of Bojack's prior adventures and misadventures in Hollywood. Um, Kelsey has to stop him just to say, can we have one conversation that isn't about you? Um, which obviously plays to a problem that Bojack persistently has in himself. Should point out at this point that the car has still got the, uh, the smash from the deer uh, that he hit in the prior episode. And that plays into a significant problem that they then face. The car breaks down because Bojack has failed to bother to go and get it fixed. Um, yeah. Just hearing a lot of like broken car noises to suggest that that was an issue to begin with. Playing in the background that he's trying to ignore because he just loves the sound of his own voice. Um, Kelsey captures him on it when he says uh, he's just after validation from an authority figure to prove that his parents have, have an intrinsic, like to prove that his parents think he has an intrinsic worth. He admits that himself with very little prodding uh, from Kelsey, to which she replies, you should put that in a podcast so I can unsubscribe, which is a <laughs> burn in a goddamn half, because I felt that worrying that there was a real Kelsey Jennings that might unsubscribe to this podcast. Unsubscribe so from podcast horse. <laughs> it cut all the way through to me. Um, but yeah, so they're sat by the uh, the broken down car anyway. Um, Kelsey, with no choice at this point, trapped in the woods, broken down car, has to basically um, talk to Bojack for the want of having nothing else to do. She admits, she gives a little bit away of herself. She admits that the only reason she took the movie in the first place is uh, because she wants to get a daughter through Brown University. Uh, her words are that an indie darling's daughters don't go to Brown. Um, and she's kind of had to take this one for the, you know, this is, it's that old thing in Hollywood, isn't it? If you're going to try and stay true to yourself, you have to do, what is it, one for the money, two for the show? Two so this, sure. is her, this is her one for the money before she gets back to doing the film she really wants to do. Um, Bojack, in an interesting sort of take on that, suggests that, like, you know, she isn't a terrible mother and this is no reason to think that she's a bad mother just because she's had to take this film, but doesn't have a plan for how to get them out of trouble here other than using his glowing frame from his hack life as a Hollywood star by relying on a hick showing up with a tow truck and giving them a tow in exchange from an autograph, uh, which then is proven to be true to the literal letter. Almost, again, validating Bojack, as we always say, a hick in a tow truck pulls up and says, hey, aren't you the horse from horsing around? But then isn't such a hick because he turns and says to Kelsey, hey, aren't you, aren't you the director of Women Who Love Women Who Love Recycling? Which is an indie film that she's referenced earlier in the episode. So that gives more credit to the tow truck driver than Bojack was prepared to do. Needless to say, uh, Bojack replies, there he is right on time. He's going to give him an autograph picture. He's going to get the car towed. They're going to get out of trouble. An interesting sort of wrinkle again that we've kind of seen with Diane before on the artist wanting to stay true to the art and then the muck and the tar of Hollywood drowning her as it as she tries to stay real i mean i think it was like definitely very deliberate that we see the fact that kelsey is the one here trying to talk about her like artistic endeavors and she is the woman in this scenario and then we get as we have continued to say throughout the making of this podcast one very stupid entitled man who was just like yeah it'll just work out i'll just wait here long enough and the universe will just work it out for me because i'm bojack horseman and then we get another Sort of stupid man, I guess, mm. who just turns up to do the typical stupid thing and tick the box of Bojack's But My favourite thing out of all of this is the name of Kelsey's film. 
women who love women who love recycling is <laughs> just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it's um i think it, all we can say here as well for the, i think for them two's relationship at this point i wouldn't say it's necessarily improved by the bond but bojack doesn't realize what he's got because they've sort of managed to understand each other just enough like he has actually got something from her and he's been able to console her that she's not such a bad mother as if she needed his validation to say that because what would he know about that particular subject but they've at least come upon some common ground whereas really Bojack probably wasn't looking for common ground he was probably looking for glowing praise and adulation from his director but not just stumbling I think they're kind of the car him stumbling out of trouble in the car is sort of an allegory from stumbling into what he needed all along out of Kelsey even though he's too blind to see that again as always Bojack has the blinkers on we are going to come back to Bojack and Kelsey in classic Bojack. It's not quite over for Bojack, but we're going to go a little bit back in time to find out exactly why they were on the road here. We're going to start in the offices of PB Living. Um, Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter are having an ideas meeting, which allows for Peanut Butter's wonderful line, what's on the agenda, my friend? <laughs> which got <laughs> You know, we're three minutes after that Chicken for Days advert. You can't be offering my friend yeah. so soon. <laughs> Todd... <laughs> Sorry to everybody listening that you're just going to have that horrible bark laugh in your earbuds every now and then, but it's just good stuff. Todd off his ideas list pitches West Dakota <laughs> and, notes, and notes a load of other ideas that like Mr. Peanut Butter is, is sort of half interested in. But then he says, uh, he notes that it's going to take a lot of money to do that. So he says, uh, well, Todd, to spend money, you've got to make money. And then that makes him want to sack the whole day off and go for a spa day, which speaks to, obviously, how PB living tends to work. Um, Todd, lacking a sense of purpose just for his day, lacking a sense of direction, rings Princess Carolyn, who is still at that wedding, at this point being pulled away during the vows, because, of course, she always answers the phone to her clients. Regardless, this shows her professionalism and how it has such a, a almost like a dark comedic impact on her life. Um, but he says, Princess Carolyn, do I have a purpose? She tells him to stay out of trouble. Uh, at which point the loose chicken from the Chicken for Days van appears at his window. And all he can do is reply, uh, okay. So we cut back to Todd's day later on in between these little sequences with Bojack. Todd's making a turkey sandwich for the chicken, hoping that doesn't sound weird. At which point Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face, which we know is on the case, knocks at the door to chase this chicken. Uh, <laughs> the chicken is at the door, but every single chicken noise, and this joke is so good again, is... Oh, man somehow spun off by Todd as conversation with his partner, his wife, Becca, Becca! Uh, <laughs> or, or Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face's pen, Bick! or Bick, or <laughs> my favourite, <laughs> favourite composer, Bark, which Meow Meow Fuzzy Face can't believe that she would pick Bark over Mozart. But there we are. You know, the world, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum, Nicholas. What oh, might right for you might not be right for what? Um, <laughs> so anyway, they somehow throw uh, Officer Meow Meow off the scent just for long enough. Uh, so Todd gives her a backstory where she says, I mean, <laughs> God damn it, this joke. Where she says, if anyone asks, she's the booking agent for Kings of Leon, to which she replies, what? And he says, well, all right, you can book back if you want. Book <laughs> <laughs> <Why> back. <not? laughs> And that, that sort of takes us to the 
central plot of the story, and that will matter later. It, you'll notice how quick we got through Classic Bojack there. The central plot is the adventures of Todd, Diane, and Irving, and indeed this chick who we will name Becca for ease of use. And um, we have to go back. Team. What a dream team this is. It is indeed a dream team. We have to go sort of back in the day a little bit to Diane and Irving, who were just obviously out on their travels. Um, <laughs> Diane's asking Irving what she wants to do just to get a sense of the type of person she is she says so nonchalantly the delivery from Amy Schumer here really is really makes it well first I'm going to go to Brown then I'm going to go to Yale Law then I'll probably be the youngest Supreme Court Justice or you know something in marketing <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just... I love I love the, the way that Diane's so engaged for that first part of the sentence and then she says oh something in marketing and she's like God. Okay. <laughs> but she says she uh, she's got a plan for them for the day, but first she needs to pop home and uh, just do a bit of laundry, which kind of Irving rolls her eyes at, which kind of makes Diane feel defensive and feel like she has to get on and like make something more of herself. Like she says, "Oh no, I was just the same when I was your age. I thought I was going to be a badass overachiever with big plans to change the world. Oh, you didn't hear? I changed the world." <laughs> and Diane's got this fire in her eyes again to show how she's changed the world. But she hasn't. They get dragged into this mad chicken adventure. So ultimately, in order to get um, Todd and the Becca, the chicken, out of Miami Meow Fuzzy Face's way, they all get in the car together. I'm recapping this. I can't believe the words I'm saying. They all get <laughs> in the car together. Becca is in a, a dress at this point. Diane doesn't want to do it. To which Irvin replies, Jeezy Gableezy, grow a spine. To which Becca goes, Backbone? And then, and then they go, yeah, or backbone. So again, this continued use of words that sound a bit like chicken noises. The backbone is the bit that convinces Diane, again, in trying to impress the younger person in the room because she turned 35 last week. She doesn't know a sense of purpose. She's perhaps having her first taste of a midlife crisis. Um, I Look, I understand the importance of the need to impress young people. I started a podcast with one. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're 35 as well. What a what a what a treat. <laughs> it takes as the car is speeding away, and Todd has just noted what motorway they're gonna go on, or they might try a different one. The I-10, I think it is, because there might be traffic. Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face in a great callback to Todd doing this himself when he worked out that Bojack had screwed him with the Capathon, goes the longest way around, realising that Todd's wife, Becca, is actually a chicken, as if the fact that she was a chicken in a dress wouldn't have given the game away. Um, at this point, we obviously have um, a chicken on the run. It's made the news. Um, the police have put a call out for it. So we go to the news with Todd Gumbo Jumbo reporting on the lost chicken. He speaks to Michael Morgan, who is the CEO of Chicken for Days, the company who have lost this chicken, um, who says that they are taking full responsibility of it. And in doing so, lets the public know about a full responsibility chicken bites offer for only $4.99, which is quite remarkable and quite, I don't know, prescient in this times. So we are still recording this socially distanced we are still recording lockdown and there are a few companies that tried to monetize these awful circumstances we find ourselves in and this felt very true to that at the moment and particularly so in a gag that i don't think it's ruining to pay off that there is a big gag later on where over the course of this episode chicken for days through the publicity have upped their customer base by one billion which feels very much in opposition to the way the world is currently looking at brands that have abused these circumstances. It feels like when we all find whatever the new normal is, we're going to remember those brands that let us down. In Hollywood, they gain a billion more customers thanks to the 4.99 full responsibility officer. I'll just quickly run through the rest of this news briefing before getting your thoughts on what has been 
a crazy turn this episode has taken. Uh, <laughs> Michael Morgan specifies, as we kind of alluded to in the Gentle Farms chicken advert, this is not a friend chicken that you see at school or work. This is food chicken. They are not socialised or suitable for the outside world. To which Tom Cumbo Jumbo bars in with, huh, sounds like my ex-wife. Hey, oh, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, it was absolutely unbelievable. God, Tommy. Uh, Tommy. I can't believe you get to hear we're calling him Tommy. Michael Morgan takes the microphone back, says uh, the safest place is with us, so we can kill it, throw it into some sludge, and press that sludge into a delicious patty. Again, the naked honesty about what they do with the chicken. They are going to gain a billion customers in this episode alone, at which Tom Gumbo Jumbo takes the camera back. <laughs> Tearfully speaks down the lens, saying, I'd like to take this moment to apologise to my ex-wife. <laughs> At which point, the picture of them getting married appears in the corner where the news story would normally broadcast in. Shannon, we shared 14 beautiful years together. <laughs> he then cuts back to finish the news story as if that had never happened. I mean, I feel like I've spoken a lot there, but try and get me out of the compressed sludge patty that I've been turned into trying to recap what we've just seen. I, I don't know if I can. I'm, I, I really don't know if I can. This this is the episode where they said, all right, everyone, we've asked you to minimise the heavy, like, rep repetitive jokes. Like, we've, we've had some gags in the last couple of episodes, but today it's all about the gags. And <laughs> Raphael Bob Waxberg is pointed to the board, and the only thing he's had on that storyboard is lots of gags in big circle there, and then little tiny bit in the corner that says, and a bit of plot. Because the levels of this, like, I mean, again, the, the magical thing about it is, is that none of it is wasted. Yes, it's all big. It's all ridiculous. All of the jokes are stupid as hell. But yet, they still use this to touch on massive things, like the fact that companies like Chicken for, Ga Chicken for Days, like, are these, they take advantage of, like, the panic and hysteria that's going on, the, the mass publicity that it gets when something like this happens, and then turn it into profit for themselves to the point where... Literally, the next scene after he says the full responsibility chicken, we see the poster for full responsibility <laughs> chicken going up on the wall. He's made that up on the spot, and now they're cashing in on it. And it's just the world is broken, Michael. And I know that's true, that's very true at this present moment as we record this podcast. But more importantly, at least Bojack Horseman is taking the time to actually try and highlight these things. I think, in a way, it's almost it's it's it plays a little bit. To that, like that idea that, oh, well, what else can you do but laugh? You know, yeah. when people are in a time of crisis or in a time of danger or anything like that, well, all we could do is laugh about it. They found a way to literally do that by constructing, I'm not exaggerating, probably 20 or 30 enormous jokes within the confines of a single half an hour episode. The, the hit rate for jokes in this is absolutely unbelievable. I think I can comfortably say, like, in terms of that at least, the funniest episode we've reviewed so far i don't I know if that so. was made clear by the fact that we could barely get through the introduction of this episode but I just it just i don't know just the, the economy of joke usage in this if we're going to get analytical is it's remarkable television making it's this this is probably the only one that's really probably superseded the christmas special which was mm. specifically like gag heavy in its in its whole con like uh, creation but they've just gone balls to the wall for this one haven't they really have and it's just it's it is a laugh a minute that's the one thing people won't yeah. normally say about bojack horseman it's not that sure well this is the episode where they absolutely are that sure mm. 
I mean, <laughs> this is it. And I, I try and pick up the review. Uh, Diane Todd Becker, I'm just calling her Becker now. Becker and Irvin are on the run, obviously. <laughs> Irvin suggests taking it to Gentle Farms, having seen the advert, of course, after checking the days, that it'll be a happier place for her. Um, so the the group all sort of, you know, agree that it's probably the best place to go. And it's relatively rosy there. You can see chickens frolicking in meadows and whatnot um, until the the main farmer chicken that we saw in the advert pulls a gun on them and claims ownership of Becca immediately in the moment. It is as quick as the conversation changing from what I'm saying right now to, well, I guess that's not your problem anymore. <sighs> Just like Coxon locks the gun and immediately yeah. puts all of them under threat. You can feel the fear instantly wash across all the characters. Todd tearfully parts ways with Becca, who has already gone off to play with the other chickens, even though he's fallen in love with her because, Nicholas, she's a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Diane, Diane drops in with a just a needlessly cruel remark, noting that obviously he got a dress out, one of Diane's summer dresses to her to sort of disguise Becca. And Diane sort of just says, mm, she's probably stretched out that dress, which is just <laughs> a dig that Todd didn't need. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. They're leaving the farm, but Todd obviously has, has read the room a little bit here and has picked up that maybe all is not going to be what it seems when they leave Becca behind. So he convinces Diane to turn back and save Becca by noting that he thinks it's his purpose and she just wouldn't understand. Again, he plays to the increasingly fragile ego of Diane here that we've seen, not just from the birth episode, from the fact that she didn't really have much of a job going on at the film site, that she's maybe thinking that she probably just should have taken the, the, um, the job in Cordovia, chasing around this eccentric millionaire to like sort of watch him well chase ambulances and chase poverty but at least give her just that sense of life and that sense of purpose and because of that she sort of does the old film screech and turns the car around to go back to the farm they break in but they almost immediately get rumbled 
um, Diane gives Irving the keys uh, in the sort of the heat of the moment where she believes they're in this kind of cinematic breakout scene from a film. She gives Irving the keys to the car and says, don't try to be a badass. To which Irving just cuts her off and says, okay, bye. And she runs off to get straight back <laughs> in the car. She won't be moved. She doesn't need that feeling of a sense of purpose about that, that, excuse me, that Diane's got because she is still young and she doesn't see that yet, that maybe what Diane's going through. Uh, ultimately, they realise that just saving Becca isn't enough. They bust all the chickens out of a barn, uh, but it all goes wrong when all of them escape, apart from Todd, Diane and Becca, who walk straight directly into the slaughterhouse. Uh, Todd and Diane at this point, while hiding uh, for, with Becca from the farmers who have all got guns, bond in a way that boosts Diane's ego. Um, it's really quite sweet. Um, Diane just kind of admits that this was an adventure that isn't really for her. She's only been drawn into it because at first she was trying to impress Irving and then she felt a little bit affected by Todd's words. But Todd thinks she's awesome. He says that she doesn't take any shit and that she's like a human Lara Croft in Diane's body, which sort of feels like payback for the stretch and the dress out comment, which is quite nice. Um, at this point, as they're just kind of finding their feet together, Irving busts through in the car, smashes all the walls, like allows for everything to escape, allows for them to escape. But before they can even really get away from Gentle Farms, they reach an impasse because there's a police blockade led by Meow Meow McFuzzy Face, who turns out was a loose cannon, but he knew how to get the job done. You know what it is, Michael? I have enjoyed your continued struggle to say a Meow Meow Fuzzy Face's name throughout this podcast. <laughs> Three different attempts, three different versions of it, and I'm here for it. I would say it was a rule of three gag, but that would just be a complete lie. <laughs> We're on a Skype, so you'd be able to read my face, and you know I just wasn't telling the truth. Anyway. Well, well if you get it right, I'll give you a round of applause. How about that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I've just been scratched by a cat. Um, <laughs> anyway. All the gang are back at the police station. They've all, they've all been arrested, obviously. At which point, we catch back up with Kelsey and Bojack. That's why we kind of pull this all together. With some classic Bojack. Kelsey and Bojack have got towed, have been brought back to the police station. Kelsey can bail out Irving and all the rest. <laughs> Just I can't not pick up on this. There's a point where Kelsey's asking, like, why Todd's been arrested. She says, well, this guy get arrested for being too cute and just starts grabbing <laughs> his face again in what is proven to be one of the best running gags of the whole series, let alone this particular episode. Um, Bojack has indeed bailed them all out just by being a celebrity. He, uh, he sorts Becca a life out in Drew Barrymore's frolicking meadow, because why would Drew Barrymore not have a meadow for chickens to frolic in? And uh, learns a valuable lesson, Nicholas. He speaks out loud to himself, just when you think everything isn't about you, you find a way to save the day and realise it was. Plus, I got you a burrito truck. And everyone in the room, all the main cast of characters, sort of have to celebrate Bojack more than anybody else because he's got them out of jail, he's got them a burrito, and they're sat in the car, and Irving's trying to kind of like address if anything in this episode mattered, because if this Hollywood douchebag can just get them out of trouble, what's the point of worrying about trouble? Because there's always going to be a way out in the first place. Of course, she's referencing her mother there, who is directing a Hollywood film. Her mother is indeed perhaps part of what she perceives to be the problem. But Todd says no. He says, I think we really did change things to the better. Right as they drive past the Chicken for Days billboard, where the five billion is being replaced by six billion served, and there is a queue that, quite frankly, as we record this, would be illegal. It's so packed yes. full of people waiting to get the new Chicken for Days offer. And thank the Lord this episode is over. <laughs> I'll be honest, 
I'm very impressed. I will give you an actual round of applause for that, Michael. <laughs> I muted one, so not to, to ruin everyone's ears, but genuinely, <laughs> I wasn't sure you were going to make it through that because it is, it's an absolute powerhouse of an episode, this, in terms of comedy. It is a gag a minute. It's more than that. It's gag every 30 seconds. It's too quick, and it really is wonderful. And it shows as well. Never mind six million chicken for days customers. There's six million <laughs> gags, or billion gags, in this bloody episode. But funnily enough, though, not a huge deal in terms of our usual thing when we do this point of the show where we do a uh, horsing around where we go back and look for all of the hidden meanings and small details that you might have missed in the episode. So we've got a few. There's definitely some good ones in here amongst all of this completely hilarious <laughs> comedy. But I've also noticed some of my favourite lines as well from this as we Excellent. go through. So I'm hoping that instead of perhaps not pointing out something very clever all the time, I might just make you laugh until you die which will be great because <laughs> then i'll have to do the rest of the episodes by myself um so let's go right back to the very beginning of the episode we go to mmm studios michael which is obviously the one we've seen already previous to this the spin on mgm we still haven't figured out what that middle m's for have we mm -hmm. haven't uh, haven't figured that out yet but obviously as we turn up there one of the first things we see is our good friends, I don't know their names, but the two journalist birds who are flying around yeah. taking pictures of a bird that is flying past Michael. It's a hawk, Michael. It's flying over a studios. Would we be right in assuming that they are chasing after Ethan Hawke, perhaps? Oh, very good, yes. As like he goes that. past the Well, studios. we know it's not Cameron Crowe, don't we? We so. know it's not Cameron Crowe <laughs> because he's a raven. <laughs> Uh, and another wonderful one, which you probably will enjoy here because it's from a film that your very good mate is in. Mm -hmm. But Kelsey's daughter, uh, Kelsey's daughter, uh, Irvin, sorry, the skirt that she is wearing, Michael, mm -hmm. is very, very similar, if not exactly the same, let's be honest, as the skirt that Cher is wearing in the film Clueless. Ah, she, has the yes. full, she has the full suit on in when she's wearing it in the film, but mm -hmm. the skirt is almost an identical match, which should probably give you a little clue as to what they were going for with Avon's character. Uh, we go we go to uh, Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Um, not the show, his house. <laughs> that gag's never going to get old. Nah. Uh, the, um, the balls, there's still a few balls kicking around in his office. From the obviously did the ball pit last episode for Diane's birthday party. <laughs> we, see the, we see the remnants from that as they're all sat around. And there's that one that they've done and I love the person who did this, where it's just, you know, when you trample on one of those balls and it gets like oh, squashed yes. and it indents, there's just one of them that just looks like that. And I thought that was a nice little uh, mm. a nice little thing they've obviously spent way too much time on. <laughs> um, but we also have Todd presenting all of his list of ideas. Mm. And we've got a quick snap, and there are some good ones on his list. I'll just read them out as they are written down. Uh, one of the, uh, his ideas is pancakes to go, and then... <laughs> That also ties in with another one that he's got written next to it that says, Rap Jacks. <laughs> 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 I will let you interpret however you see fit. That's, is that a gag? So if that's underneath it, is that them doing the gag where they get bored of the idea before they finished it? So like when like, they were at the smoothie meeting and they moved on to the next one? It's got an arrow, so essentially it's like the evolution or it's the next part of that idea. <laughs> so why then, pitch the first I one? Know, I know, I know. But then the next idea on the list is Spice of the Month Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be real. That's probably sponsoring this podcast. Probably, <laughs> most likely, most likely is sponsoring this. But maybe sponsoring this podcast is one of his other ideas, which are flan cakes. <laughs> <laughs> because he's just, this is Todd, but not quite as good, however, Michael, 
as the immediate follow-up, you've seen the pattern. Yeah, he's done pancakes, spice of the month, flan cakes. So it makes sense that the next one would be a Belgian horse circus. <laughs> <laughs> a Belgian horse circus with an arrow that then points to unicycle? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> a horse for a very different course, it would seem. Oh, man. Um, and then below that, his final two ideas, sort of similar. One is Taffy Mountain. <laughs> The other one is have a wacky adventure, which doesn't that end up paying very quickly. We move to the crime scene where we go when the chicken first escapes from the van and Meow Meow Fuzzy Face and his gang are exploring the crime scene. Immediately we see, as we come for the establishing shot, there is a detective who is also a dog who's just hunched over and sniffing his way around the crime scene. <laughs> so he's going to find some clues, which I thought was a great little nod. And... You've already said it, but I'm going to say it again because I enjoyed it so much. <clears throat> so we know the chicken crossed the road, but the real mystery is why. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So stupid and so good. And also, shout out to Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face, who was just doing his very best Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive Impression, <laughs> which is just the consistency of it is top notch. Uh, we go back to one of the first of a few, a uh, shot of the Chicken for Days store. And you can see that as this episode begins, the actual sign is being changed already from 4 billion to 5 billion. And the two people who are doing it, there's a man who's atop a ladder who's changing it. And next to him is his fellow worker who is a giraffe with this massive long neck who's just kind of holding the ladder steady for him and looking on <laughs> as he puts the sign over the top. Uh, we get into Diane's car. This isn't even really a, uh, anything, this. This is just me enjoying the fact that Di Diane says, I must be Shania Twain because that don't impress me much. <laughs> like that really sucked, didn't it? it? Was like such just... a bad. I mean, who would open a line of dialogue with a rubbish joke like that? I mean, you'd never see me doing something like that. We're all we're all business here, Michael. That's it. <laughs> uh, but at Mr. Peanut Butter's house, we go back to. I can't remember if this is different, and I didn't have time. I forgot, rather, should I say, to compare this to previous notes. But I always find it funny, so I'm going to bring it up again. The fridge sign, the little the stuff that's on the fridge in Mr. Peanut Butter's house, it's always, always cracks me up. And just because I know it might get another pop out of you, it reads as follows. Jelly and dog, question mark. Hope food, a bread boob. Hot bean, <laughs> hot bean so flat fridge. <laughs> <laughs> like, the thing is, that's, I mean, that's so good. But those, I've had those word magnets yeah. before. Yeah. And you, you do boob. I don't know. <laughs> Always do boom. It's like, yeah, there's a, some point where you try to form real sentences or you might try and put your shopping list and think, I'm going to make practical use out of this. And it's like a calculator, man. Boob's going to end up on there it's at some point. Always going to end up on there. But have you ever done boob bread hot bean in a row, you see? That's a question that maybe you might not have done. <laughs> on, a fridge, <laughs> on a fridge. On a fridge, who knows? Right, let's quickly do these because you did a lot of them. But the chicken sound gags that come in this episode when uh, Todd and are talking to <laughs> Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face are fantastic. We obviously get her name, Becca Chavez, which is the first one. She says she loves her books. Book! And then when Todd gets a little, Todd gets a little bit too close, she says, Becca! Which he says, okay, I'll back off. <laughs> Before Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face asks her, wait a minute, if you're such a nerd and you like books, who is your favourite Baroque composer? Which she then obviously says, Back! <laughs> Brilliant That's such stuff. a good one, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant one. And then as she says, she, she shouts, pick! 
at the top of our lungs and he says, yes, I am holding a big pen, Mrs. Chavez. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is just a non-stop rally and it's absolutely wonderful. But this is topped for me by Todd, who was talking with Diane when Diane finally turns up to realise that Todd has this escaped chicken in her house, no less, and in her clothes on top of that. And Todd's dialogue, yeah, it's dead quick, but it had me in stitches because it's such a Todd thing. This is exactly how his life goes. As Diane's asking her, he's ask, she's asking him, what on earth's gone on? What's happening? Todd says, well, I met this chicken and she escaped from Chicken for Days Factory. And she doesn't speak any English, but she's my best friend. And Mr. Peanut Butter went to the spa and I love her. And my name is, and her name is Becca Chickenson. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Becca, pause, Chickenson. <laughs> outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Oh. And as you also pointed out, here, Irvin says the words Jeezy Kableezy, which mm. is obviously a nod. Is this, this is Olivia's catchphrase yeah. from Horsing Around, she sure. is, uh, is using. So still, it's unfortunately for Bradley Hitler Smith, his catchphrase hasn't caught on yet, but Olivia's has indeed landed perfectly. <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, if this episode dropped a yowza yowza bowza, I think oh. it might have finished me off. Yeah. I like... Well, speaking of, finish, speaking of finishing you off, Michael, I'm not even going to give you a chance because we have to get to MSNBC to talk about everything that's yeah. going on on the news. This one got me the most, uh, which is a very simple headline that's on the news as we see the picture of the escaped chicken, which is one of those which I didn't take in until I physically said it out loud. And the joke is literally, yolk, go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, of course, a brilliant reference to Yoko Ono. But how I didn't see that written down, I don't know. But it was fantastic. Because maybe I was distracted by Todd Gumbo Jumbo saying, a foul has run a foul. A funky chicken has left the coop. <laughs> and then he says, in probably the most sneaky of references, he says, and for a concerned populace, the sky is falling. Which is, of course, a reference to chicken licking, which for anybody who knows, is, is well, should make perfect sense. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we get Michael Morgan, who tees up Tom with a little reminder. He says, this chicken is not socialised for the outside world, of course, which Tom then says, sounds like my ex-wife. Ayo! But this leads him into this little moment of sincerity of his own, right? But there might be a double goodly out of this, because he says, I'd like to take this moment to apologise for the earlier crack about my ex-wife, Shannon. We shared 14 beautiful years together, and then he kind of disappears. But when this happens, we get a picture of his wife, Shannon, comes up on the screen. Now, of course, Michael, I wouldn't want to assume that all squids or octopi are the same. But as it happens, she looks very similar to the uh, bartender that we see in the sea-themed restaurant at the start of season two, where Bojack Whoa. is in. She may well be the bartender from there. Maybe I am just profiling, in which case I apologise to the squid. That's squeaky. a hell of a, hell of a catch, that, though. But it certainly feels the same, because Tom Gumbo Jumbo was also on the telly at the same time, so maybe there's a tie-in. I don't know. I'll let you look into that one. And hey oh, Tommy! hey oh, Tommy! <laughs> Back to the Chicken for Days shop, uh, the, the latest instalment, which we have, have already mentioned. The full responsibility pop-ups go up immediately after they are announced by Michael Morgan. The sign again being put up by the same two workers the giraffe and the man. Then we go back to MMM Studios again, and we see this, another hawk gag. This time, it's a hawk who's flying across the screen 
wearing a uniform for Skyhawkers as he flies by with a sign that says, "Have you seen this chicken?" with a picture <laughs> with a picture of Becca the chicken on the on the it's a banner, I guess you call it, yeah, banner as he flies past. Then just a couple of tidbits from the uh, police precinct that we see that uh, Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face is inside. Um, we see the camera style of when the show hits this part and I zoom in in and out. It's very similar, or certainly I thought it was, to Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the format they use for their TV show when they zoom in on characters and they zoom back out. And there's lots of gags a minute before someone bursts in the room, as we see on numerous different occasions. Weird how they do this sometimes, where they just change up the format of how they present the episode. I find that fascinating the way they do it in this show. Especially when it's like directly related to plot as well. Yeah, they've gone, they've exactly. gone looking for how to do it rather than just picking a style and kind of copying it for the sake of it. Yeah, but this, however, is one... How about this for a reference? A reference that I have never actually seen myself, but no, because it was referenced in another TV show. Okay. There's one for you. So when we go to Gentle Farms, Todd is finally saying goodbye to Becca. And as he does say goodbye to her, he gives her the full white fang treatment where uh, Todd says, go on now, get... Go and be with your own kind and waves her off while he's kind of crying and holding back tears and looking away. The only way that I even know about white fanging and how it happens is from New Girl when Schmidt does it to Cece in an episode of New Girl. That is the only way I know about it. But, of course, it is an actual reference to yeah. white fang. Um, on top of that, we have uh, Kelsey's license plate, which you get to see in this, which is JCMP10N, which is short for J. Campion, which if you do your homework like we have on this show, you'll notice that this is all about the director Jane Campion, who may well be one of her idols because she's obviously referenced on our plate. And Jane Campion is, of course, the director of the TV show Top of the Lake, is one of the mm. things you might know from. But most importantly, Michael, she is the second of only five female directors to have been nominated for the Best Director at the Academy Awards. So obviously a powerhouse in the filmmaking department, understandable why Kelsey might be gravitating towards her. And there you are highlighting the value of doing your homework. So for anyone that's listening to this podcast saying, I don't want to do my homework, do it, because you find out great facts like this. Am I right? You are absolutely right, mate. <laughs> whoa, 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 what? <laughs> I want chicken for days! <laughs> I wish everyone could see how quickly I've just tried to gulp down a drink of water. <laughs> It's Michael Hamford threw me that curveball. I hate you forever. It's but. your own fault, Nicholas. Don't ask questions. Just keep drinking. Just keep drinking. <laughs> I, I'm trying. Don't don't start reviewing. Just keep popping. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'll take full responsibility, Popper, for that. <laughs> There's a wonderful bit when we go back to the police precinct where they're being briefed on what to do and how to tackle the situation before they're allowed to go out and. They're deciding if Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face is indeed a loose cannon. And when they do finally come to the conclusion that they're allowed to go out and try and stop this from all happening, uh, the the police chief precinct, she says, you'll need a maverick, a by-the-book rookie, and a curmudgeonly veteran one week away from retirement. Go, go, go. <laughs> this is, of course, a reference to literally every stereotypical <laughs> cop film ever in the world ever made. So wonderful stuff there. Um, and when we, get, <laughs> when we get Bojack and Kelsey when they're broken down in the car and they're waiting around. Now, you'll remember in the previous episode, we had a man who was at the doctor's or the hospital, wasn't he, where the deer got taken to, who was wearing a truck's hat and he was reading like Trucker magazine or something <laughs> like that. Well, fascinatingly, the man who pulls up to pick up Bojack in his 
truck, I guess it is, isn't wearing a truck's hat, but he is wearing a hat that just says tractor, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was wonderful. And the fact that it plays on that stereotype, he's got the, the old white vest on, he's got the, the cap, and he's in the broken down pickup truck sort of thing. And then it ends up being this really learned guy who really <laughs> likes women who love women who love recycling, which is incredible stuff. And recognises the director by and, face. By like, face, yeah, which is wonderful. And finally, the last little thing I've got here is, as you've also mentioned, we get the last change of the chicken for days sign. Uh, the six billion number goes up on top. Only this time, for whatever reason, they can't get the ladder access because of the big queue of people. So the giraffe is on the shoulders of the guy who was on the ladder <laughs> earlier on and uses his neck to put the number six at the top. Stupid in all the ways you'd hope from Bojack Horseman, but still effective nonetheless. That is everything I have for horsing around. Michael, incredibly, we've made it through just about in one week, yeah? <laughs> despite me feeling like my heart's going to fall out because I've been laughing so much. I do, though, have time and energy for one last thing, and then I swear to God I'll shut up about this podcast forever. I feel like you're going to do a smart one this week. Are you going to do a smart one, a clever one, an insightful one? You could call it that, yeah, I suppose. Well, it's... then I'll tell you what, what we'll do is I'm going to let you go second this week. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go back and give you some something you might have missed, perhaps. Because I, I kept one little lovely trinket for mm -hmm. the end of this one. Uh, inside the uh, the police the, the police precinct that we've seen numerous occasions in this, there's a couple of little wonderful things hidden away, and they've continued to to sort of contribute towards these. But first of all, let me just go and reference because on the board when they're trying to decide if Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face is a loose cannon or not, we see them the, the list of things and the people who voted for it. So at the top, you can see we have loose cannon. Then we have the other option is too old for this shit, which is <laughs> the reference to lethal weapon. We then also have the one mystery he can't solve is himself. <laughs> below that, we have not here for the right reasons. Then we have below that, it's got something to prove and nothing to lose. And then at the very bottom, scribbled out and you can't really see the rest of it, it says something with a heart of gold. So... <laughs> And as you'll see, nobody's ticked that box. There's been a couple of people who've ticked the other ones, but almost everyone has indeed ticked the loose cannon box. But that's not why I wanted to draw your attention to this, you see, because hidden, like so beautifully hidden behind that, we've got a bunch of wanted posters, Michael. Mm -hmm. A bunch of wanted posters for the guys who continue to make an appearance in this show, whether you want them to or not. Everybody who's escaped from the Max Security Prison in that episode, the uh, our A story is a D story from mm -hmm. season one, is there's a bunch of them who are on the board. They are still looking for those guys. They still haven't found them, as we know. But another little thing hidden away, and I mean this is literally a fraction of a second, so it's blink and you'll miss its stuff. You will also see that one of the wanted posters is for the Celebrity Stealing Club from season one, the Balaclava. Oh, Lasses who beat up Todd and try to <laughs> his stuff and leave him in that hilarious position. So I just thought that was wonderful. And these, I'm, I'm telling amazing. you, man, they're only just sticking out from behind the whiteboard as well. So you can barely see them, but they've obviously taken the time to do it. And that is why Bojack Horseman is better than the show that you love. Oh, Michael Hamlet, what have you got for us this week? Well, Bojack Horseman is better than the show that you love. But Bojack Horseman, the character, is worse than everyone you know. Um, and <laughs> And he, well, I don't know. Me and you are friends. So. <laughs> and he, he kind of 
him figuring out that in the, the end of the episode where he thinks that like sometimes things aren't about him and then oh it turns out things are all about him it's such a great way to cap off this specific episode because what have we said a lot in this episode we've talked a lot about chickens we talked a lot about jokes but we've not talked a great deal about bojack horseman mm. never yet at this point in this show has the titular character bojack horseman been so pushed to one side his story is a b story in this episode the a story is absolutely 100 percent the adventures of the gang and becca and her various sort of comings and goings in, in and out of and uh, I just, I found it really impressive. Again, just a credit to the writing and the art of this show and the fact that they would take a risk at, what, episode five, series two? That's quite early to give the show up to the, the ancillary characters, to put faith in the characters that you've set up. Diane and Todd, effectively, are carrying this with Irving and Kelsey, who are relatively new characters, while Princess Carolyn is literally away from the gang and Bojack is marginalised and sent off into the secondary plot. And I just thought of all the weeks for Bojack to have that, like, pathetic and obnoxious realisation, it being this specific episode. If it had been in, let's say, one's right at the tail end of season one, where we're digging very deep into his psyche, then it wouldn't feel, I don't know, just quite as funny as it did here. Like, Bojack barely shows up, and when he does... He just wants to stop talking about himself. And it's that that means he can't bond with Kelsey in the way that he desperately wants to. It's brilliant. It, it's, this show's brilliant. This show's the best. It really is the best. And I think we joked about it at the start of this before we started recording it, of just how it was essentially Bojack trying to like wrestle back the classic Bojack narrative. He wants it for himself. Mm. He doesn't get it, ultimately, because... Well, he, essentially, he gets it within himself, but we don't get to see most of his journey to that point other than the little pit stops that we get from him but I just think there's something I think they're being very deliberate here in showing just how much the celebrity side and coming back into the public eye is is actually affecting Bojack we're only at episode what five now mm. and it feels like any sort of lessons that he might have yes he made some mistakes still but any lessons that he might have actually learned by the end of season one feel like they're kind of being unraveled a little bit as we go along here and that kind of summarised by him once again missing the mark almost worse than when he misses it in season one and says nothing is my fault it's society's problem or whatever he says and he shouts at the top of his lungs he's he's a horse who's going off the tracks Michael <laughs> it's it's through Irving at the at the very end isn't it mm. because she feels a little bit deflated that all it took was Bojack's wealth and fame and celebrity to fix something and it requires Todd almost like steer her back on track and say no we did something as the world outside completely disproves what Todd is saying like thank goodness she can't see that and she can maybe take heed Todd's advice rather than just assume that Bojack's way is the way to do things um, we're glad of that because it's going to give us several more episodes of him making these exact same mistakes as we go through this odyssey of episodes but yeah I just thought it was uh, the perfect choice to have them make this point with the Bojack character when for a change I don't know, a horse just wasn't the animal I was thinking of after sitting down and watching this one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It was probably chickens, wasn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, the clue was in the title from the very beginning. Who knew? Anyway, let's get ourselves these plugs in quick so these poor listeners, Michael, can oh. finally go off and enjoy the rest of whatever day they're listening to this podcast. Mm. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at 
podcast horsemen please do give us a like a share a follow whatever you want because we like talking to the community and it's been a lovely experience so far we realize there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment so if you just want to disengage a little bit and have some less serious conversations about a show that is arguably serious and ridiculous as this episode <laughs> is proved, please come and do find us also you can find either of your hosts you can find myself on twitter at it's adam nicholas or you can find michael hamlet at michael hamlet um you can follow the podcast on spotify you can subscribe through apple podcast we would love you to subscribe and um, we'd love you to leave us a, a review if you can you hear this on every podcast you ever listen to begging for likes begging for subscribers there's a good reason we want to build that community as nicholas points out we want to just appear in those charts we want more people to talk themselves horse about a talking horse um, and you can of course find the podcast every week on twitter on fridays embedded in the little acast player if you subscribe on acast you can get it there stitcher pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts and if you want to leave us a five-star review through Spotify or through Apple Podcasts, you can find yourself inducted into the Hollywood Talk of Fame. The review is from Lasergun. Thank you very much, Lasergun, for your review. Thank you very much for the title, A Horse of a Different Cruller. Uh, ah, more, more on that later, I feel. Uh, but thank you, Lasergun, for your review. There is, a, of course, a five-star review. And it says, meeting at the junction of insight and appreciation, these two hosts take us back over a well-thought-out show with a fine-tooth comb of a connoisseur required to pick up the subtle nuances of this modern masterpiece, the cartoon about the horse. And uh, that's very, very nice. We appreciate the compliments, and we, of course, completely agree with your thoughts on that show. Thank you, Lasergun. There will be a start on Hollywood Talk of Fame coming to you via all our socials, Pretty much as you're listening to this. Lovely stuff, as always. I'm a big fan of this. Was this your idea? It was your idea, wasn't it, the talk of him? Yeah, the uh, the fancy bag. Yeah. Fancy the fancy <laughs> bag. That's, well, you might as well stick to what you're good at, eh? Anyway, <laughs> speaking of what I'm good at, I'll give you the Netflix synopsis right before we go for next week's episode. We are, of course, on to season two, episode six, and this one is called Higher Love. Princess Carolyn sees an opportunity when Mr. Peanut Butter's agent dies, Bojack flips when he says the L word out loud to Wanda. That sounds both fascinating and intriguing and potentially catastrophic for Bojack. Michael, I'd normally ask you for something, but right now you can back off because I want to go and finish this podcast. I'm sick of laughing. So as always, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Adam Chickalus. Uh, yes, he has. And this has indeed, you piece of trash, been Podcast Horseman. <laughs>